Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobulb.org. Good day, brothers and sisters in the faith. With our church premises still closed, I welcome you to our podcast. I pray that once again our cybernetic worship will be meaningful and of value in the continuing time of the COVID pandemic. Before I begin the formal proceedings, I would like to make the following announcement. By now, you should all have heard of the sad passing on the 23rd of June of Denzel, husband of Reverend Heidi Peterson, our minister. Please join me in the following prayer for Heidi and their children, Carol Ann and Aidan. Let us pray. O Lord our God, thank you that you are our rock and fortress, and in this sad time of Denzel's death, we pray that Reverend Heidi, Carol Ann and Aidan will find you their rock and fortress in their time of grieving, and that they will find refuge in you. Father, you have said that whoever follows you will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We pray that as Reverend Heidi and children and their greater families feel the darkness of grief and sorrow at the loss of Denzel, let your light shine on their lives. Give them the assurance that their hope is found in you. May your love surround them, your spirit guide them, your voice cheer them, your peace calm them, your shield protect them, your wisdom arm them wherever you may lead them. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord, praying that Reverend Heidi, Carol Ann and Aidan know we as their family at St. Barnabas United Church are always in support of them as they mourn the passing of Denzel. Amen. For our call to worship, we find these words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. When you pray, go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your Father in private. He knows what is to be done in private, and He will reward you. Our hymn this morning, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace.
prayer, we will end with the Lord's Prayer. And I invite you to join me at that stage as we say together the beautiful and meaningful words taught by our Lord Jesus. Let us pray. This morning, O God, by this podcast, we have come to worship you. We have different needs and have many feelings. Some of us are eager, some reluctant, some with thanksgiving, some with bitterness, some joyful, some in sadness, some as clean as the morning dew, some burdened with guilt. But we have come, and we are here, Lord, all of us, awaiting your help and your blessing. Father, thank you for this new day. Though we do not know all the challenges we will face, we do so with confidence as we know that you will be with us and you are our hope. You are our strength. Lord, we, God, we entreat you to give us wisdom as we seek your insight when we read your word later in this podcast and in the meditation that follows. And as we worship in the small concentration of time, aside from the normal functioning of our lives, may we experience your nearness, Father. And we realize that this can mean so many different facets in our living. For some, it may simply mean a quiet period of reorganizing our lives in order to face the world again. For others, it will mean finding some anchor, some word, some thought that will sustain in the midst of a desperate struggle or life complication or concern at the surging of the COVID pandemic in South Africa. For yet others, it may mean feeling a weight lifted from their souls and hearts so that they can breathe deeply again and breathe free. Still others may long for a word of hope in what is for them a seemingly hopeless life, a light in their darkness that will illuminate the pathway for them. And there are those who need to find a point of new beginnings, a place of acceptance where confession and restoration and forgiveness can be better than words on a page, that this time of virtual worship can be a new experience in their lives. Father, we all hope for something different and personal, and we are in your presence in this special time. So here we are, listening together with our special and individual needs, and we pray, Father, that for all of us, your answer to these wants will make this a hallowed time of worship. And may we not fail to hear and receive whatever truth you want to impart to us as we quietly and expectantly wait for your grace and mercy. All this we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who told us to pray by these words said together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. For our Bible reading this morning, we turn to these words taken from the book of Romans, chapter 12, and reading from verse 9. 
Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with you and with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word and be to him all praise and honor now and forevermore. Let us pray. Help us, O God, to hear your word just read with understanding. And so, as we now meditate on your word, we pray that you will write its message on our hearts, that its power may be manifest in our lives, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The meditation topic for today is, How can I keep a vital faith in these troubled times? I am sure that there are many of you who, like myself, have become more and more perplexed at how our lives have changed with this deadly COVID pandemic and the seemingly never-ending lockdown with so many restrictions on our living. Further, we despair of ever returning to a life where we could make plans for the future, go on holidays, meet up with friends, celebrate birthdays. And that list goes on and on as we think back to what life was considered normal in the early days of 2020. And in these circumstances, so often we find our Christian faith flagging, more especially when we cannot even go to church, or if we can, only with much restriction. There is a beautiful word picture of the Christian life within today's Bible reading. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, James Moffat renders it, Never let your zeal flag, maintain the spiritual glow. The contemporary Bible version translates it, Never give up, eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve the Lord. Eugene Peterson has it, Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. I prefer the latter, because the image of an on-fire Christian is an interesting phenomenon, because if we are realistic, we realize how easily we lose our zeal, our enthusiasm wanes, and the passion for Christian service slackens, and the result is a faith that becomes cold, indeed lifeless. 
So the question I would pose for ourselves in today's podcast is how can we keep undimmed the radiance of our enthusiasm in our Christian living? It is a valid question, and given the very very challenging and difficult times in which we are living, it is one we could with profit consider this morning. Firstly, let us reflect on the problem. It is summed up in a few words. A weariness of the Spirit. The problem of weariness of the Spirit haunts us because Scripture is full of stories of backsliding, or as the Apostle John said in Revelation, losing one's first love. Think of Abraham, frightened of the Pharaoh in Egypt, passing off his wife as his sister, of Moses before the burning bush, complaining of his inability to represent God, of David and Solomon, yielding to the bewitchments of seductive women, of the exiles in Babylon, unable to sing the Lord's song in a strange land, of the twelve at the Calvary events, betraying, denying and fleeing their Lord, of quitters such as Demas in the early church. We remember the terrible warnings of apostasy in Hebrews, Jude, Second Peter and the letters to the seven churches of Revelation. Sadly, Christian history is a record of deterioration and decay, the lapsed under the Roman persecution, the corruption of the Middle Ages, the circularism of the 18th century, the alternating periods of awakening and superficiality throughout recent recent Christian history, theologies coming and going, denominations waxing and waning in an endless cycle of renewal and retrogression. And let's face it, even on a personal level, we struggle with spiritual burnout. Our faith pilgrimage seems to wander in the wilderness. We doggedly persevere in our Christian practices by force of habit, but often we sink into the mutters. And yet... In the face of this list of obstructions to a fully fueled Christian faith, we still have the desire to want so much more for ourselves, for our church, and for our devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ than we've been able to claim. How do we overcome the sense of spiritual listlessness and gain the enthusiasm urged by our text? I can imagine you feeling after this, that solemn litany of moans that if there is any answer, well, this morning, let me assure you that there is. I advocate before you today two themes. The first, hope, and better still, the promise. You see, in Scripture, there is always the promise of a refreshing of the Spirit. We begin by recognizing that the Apostle Paul appealed to the Corinthians that a glowing of our souls comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Only the divine power that appeared at Pentecost like tongues of fire can bring our lukewarmness to a boil. The verb for glowing found in our text is sometimes used to describe metals such as copper that become so fiery hot that they just glow. In ourselves, we lack the ability to set our own hearts on fire. But 
when we are filled with the Spirit, we have within us the one whom John the Baptist promised would baptize us with fire. Jesus himself said, I came to cast fire upon the earth. So our next step is to stir up the Spirit within us so that the divine presence of Christ may burn brightly in our lives. It is neither quick nor easy to stoke the fires of the Spirit, but the process as Paul outlines it has two main phases. Paul begins with a negative, to never flag, and this means to not hesitate in the sense of being tentative, reluctant, or lazy. We must begin by banishing idleness, laziness, or apathy from our thinking and from our hearts. I can assure you of a truth. If we treat our service of God as an irritating task, our hearts will never blaze with passion. What is required is an act of repentance, of renunciation, and of surrender. And by that we eliminate the spiritual dross, the junk in our lives that keeps our hearts from catching fire. We must purge our lives of pride, self-sufficiency, and tireless ambition so that we may be purified by the divine presence. Another truth. There will be no spiritual glow radiating from within ourselves when all we are seeking is to reflect the spotlight of human admiration from without upon our lives. In other words, if our goal is going about our daily living is to get kudus from others, there will be no spiritual glow in our bodies. Only once we have cleansed the heart of the spiritual debris that would snuff out the flame of the Spirit, then we are ready to reach out in wonder and awe for the ultimate energy of the universe. That radical openness to transcendence is called prayer, meditation and contemplation, by which we get in touch with our own depths to commune with the divine. And the result of that relationship with God is not just to know, but to be known. Not just to talk, but to listen. Not just for an encounter, but for a relationship that will grow into a ripening friendship. The Spirit now dwelling within us, fully fueled, will make our hearts welcoming to His presence, and we will feel a glowing. The Spirit's glowing presence within us will have a further effect in that those around us in fellowship can have a similar glowing, a fire starting, because as Augustine, an early Christian theologian, put it, one loving heart sets another on fire. The great prerequisite to a spiritual glow is what Paul in our meditation texts calls zeal, a word that refers to an extraordinary commitment to fulfill one's responsibilities with excellence. Okay, you say, that's all well and fine, but how do we put that into practice? How do we get that eagerness to serve the Lord? If that glow is a gift of the God Spirit, why would Paul need to urge his readers to express such passion? Well, who said Christianity was easy? The answer is that although 
only God's Spirit can kindle the fire. Our task is to add the fuel that makes it burn brightly. Note how our text ends. Serve the Lord. We could paraphrase paraphrase the entire verse this way. Work for the Lord with a blazing intensity, which results from an eagerness to serve without a trace of hesitation. In other words, we obtain the gift of goodness as we replace apathy with action. If your religious life is passive, you are in a dormant pattern. But if you take the initiative, a new situation is created. We can only think and reason and analyze so far. Then we must decide, we must experiment, and we must take risks. Again a truth. Better to act ourselves into a new way of thinking than to think ourselves into a new way of acting. All this takes personal faith. We cannot depend upon a minister, a church, or a therapist to act on our behalf. Instead, we must care deeply enough to take personal responsibility for our actions. Faith involves a commitment to change the world, beginning with oneself, and requires boldness to be effective. We need to replace structure with spontaneity, conformity with creativity. In essence, shake up your settled patterns. Dare to surprise yourself. Seek an opportune climate that provides an atmosphere of freedom. Surround yourselves with innovative people. Balance obligation with enthusiasm. Technique with results. And continuity with change. Such a lifestyle is one of understated audacity, a bold defiance of conventional restraints imposed by by others who refuse to believe that the best is yet to be. Lord Ogilvy, a Christian writer, likens this process of self-renewal to the eagle learning to fly. He was probably driven in this thought by the thought in Deuteronomy of mounting with the wings of an eagle. In Ogilvy's thinking, God is pictured firstly as the disturber who stirs up the nest, shakes us out of our security, pushes us to the precipice, and even shoves us over the edge, all to make us try our wings, which is the only way a bird can learn to fly. Then God becomes our developer, who hovers nearby, showing us by example how to fly, providing the pattern and thereby proving that we have been made to soar. Finally, God is the deliverer who spreads his wings and carries us on his pinions if we ever begin to fall too far. My brothers and sisters in the faith, if our Christian religion is to stay vital, we must be stirred out of the nest of the status quo. Jesus provides us the example of a totally free spirit, soaring above the confines of his contemporaries. With his encouragement, we can dare to risk, confident that he is, as the writer of Jude put it, able to keep us from falling. In the times we live in, no matter what matters most in religion is the intensity factor. 
people no longer submit to the church as an authority or obey a set of rules in legalistic fashion. They do not stop long enough to reason about the truth of doctrine or to learn philosophical proofs for the existence of God. Many of us are turned off by the listlessness of mere routine. Instead, they look for enthusiasm, innovation, and boldness. What I hear am calling intensity. If we can scream ourselves hoarse at a rugby match, swoon over the latest movie celebrity, go into a frenzy over some TV program or singing icon, but can only yawn politely at church, we will not only fail to win the lost, we will not even get their attention. But if there is a spiritual glow about our lives that never fades, the world will come looking for the secret of our incandescence. Let us pray that henceforth our Christianity will always be glowing, passionate and enthusiastic. Amen. Our closing prayer. Father, give us a love that leads the way, a faith that nothing can dismay, a hope that refuses to ever tire, a courage that will burn like fire. Make us your fuel, O flame of God. There is so much that we can thank you, Lord, for in our lives. We pray for those who are hurting or lonely today, that you will comfort them. We pray for those who are ill, that you will heal them. We pray for those who are concerned about what may come in the next uncertain hours, that you will grant them peace as they trust you. Father God, there are so many people to pray for during this time, so many needs, so many requests that can seem so overwhelming to us as your church. Remind us that you can you can hear all the prayers, you can see all the needs, and that you are our provider. Lord, as we face these uncertain times, may we use this time to grow us in our faith and understanding of you. May you use this time to remind us of our mortality and of eternity. Life is short. Remind us that we should live our lives ready to meet you at our appointed time. And while we fear the unknown, you have the assurance of salvation. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy and your love. We know that COVID-19 outbreak did not surprise you. We know you are sovereign, even over this. Let that truth give us comfort. And may you give us opportunities to share that comfort with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For our benediction today. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.